0: we're not perfect, amen? It's okay to admit we're broken, amen? It's okay to admit we don't have it all together, amen? Because when we can come to the realization that we're not perfect, when we can come to the realization, Lord, that we need help, that we are sinful, that we need somebody, amen, we will realize that we need a Savior, amen? That we need a Savior. We need somebody to come in and cleanse our lives up, amen? We need someone to come in and save us, amen? We need someone to come in and reveal themselves to us, Amen. But we got to come to the realization sometimes that we're not perfect. Amen. And sometimes we got to lay that aside the fact that sometimes we want to put on this perfect mask and we want to act like we're all okay and that everything's good in our lives. But sometimes we need to just realize that it's okay. It's okay to be broken. Amen. Because when we're broken, Amen, God can come in and He can seal those cracks. Amen. Our pastor talks about that all the time that broken vase. Amen. Whenever that vase is broken, It lets that light shine through. Amen. But that vase that we try that's perfect. Amen. If you put a candle in there, nothing's going to come out. But that vase that's broken, the light will come out and people will see it. Amen. Sometimes we need to realize that we don't have to put on a face. Amen. We can just show who we really are. And we're all sinful. Amen. We're all broken. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of forgiveness, amen. We're all in need of love from a Savior, amen, today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love You. God, we praise You. God, we thank You, God, for all that You do, God. All that You are, God, You are good, God. Lord, we are just so thankful, God, for Your presence in this place we feel, God. We're so thankful, God, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit has paved away, way, God. We're so thankful, God, that Your Holy Spirit is already speaking to people's hearts today, dear God, Lord. We're so thankful, God, that Your presence... Just feels this place, God, and people can feel you, God. Lord, you're not a dead God. You're not a God, Lord, that people can't feel, God, but you're a God that we can feel, God, Lord, that can just come in, God, and just fill this place, God, and we can just sit with you and commune with you for a little while, God, and we're so thankful for that. God, I ask you to bless each and every heart in this place, God. Lord, I ask your perfect will, God, to be done in this place, God. That you would speak, God, through me, God, Lord. Lord, that you would speak right to people's hearts today, dear God. Lord, we need to hear from you today, dear God. We need to hear your words today, dear God, because you're good, God. There's no words that I have that are good, God, but only words from you today, dear God. So have your perfect way in this place, Jesus. In your precious and holy name, we give you all the glory and honor, God. Amen and amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. Just so glad to be here today. I may seem a little jittery if I do. And normally I get here a little early and I make the coffee. Today pastor made the coffee. So I may seem a little jittery. I didn't even want a cup of coffee, but it was so thick it poured itself. It just poured itself into my cup and it come over and it handed itself to me. It was so thick. So I may seem a little jittery. I may not sleep till Friday. But uh, it'll be okay, amen. If you uh, if you know our pastor, he makes it so so thick, and he makes it so puts so much coffee in it because he puts three fourths of it's sugar and cream, yes, right. right. The rest of us that don't drink it like that, we just have to we just have to be all jittery and hyped up, amen, and cranked up, if you will, amen. <laughs> amen. I'm just glad to be here and be able to, I, it's been, it seems like it's been forever since I spoke, uh, Pastor. Uh, Pastor, I done promoted you, amen. But uh, Brother Randall asked me outside, are you nervous? And I'm always nervous, amen. I'm always nervous. I told him, I think it gets worse. I've been preaching now for three, four years. I don't know how long it's been, but I think it gets worse. Every time I get up here, it just seems like I get more and more nervous. But it's okay, because uh, God's good, amen. amen. And uh, whatever word comes from God, is good, amen. And we're just uh, thankful to be able to have the opportunity today. Most of y'all that know me know that I am a pretty big football fan. I love football this time of the year is uh, just special to me. I love football, and I would never use this platform up here to brag about the Georgia Bulldogs winning winning a national championship. I would never do that, okay? I would never sit up here and talk about how happy I am that my team, after 41 years, finally won a national championship. I would never use this opportunity to talk about how, how Georgia finally beat their arch nemesis. I would never do that, okay? Okay, I would. I would do that. <laughs> but seriously, it's kind of leading me to a point here. I do love football, and I love going to football games. I just really, besides the fact that it's so expensive, but I love to go. I love going to football games. But well, There's a problem. I don't like crowds. I do not like to be in a big crowd of people. I love the atmosphere. I love the excitement. But crowds of people make me kind of anxious, right? They make me uh, kind of nervous. And, it, and if you're a... Uh, talk to my wife, she can attest to this, I really stink at waiting in lines. I am very, very impatient. Uh, if if I see two people in a drive-through, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go right by it. I'm not going to that drive-through, right? I'm just, I am severely impatient. I have no patience at all. And uh, and I'm just stink at being in large crowds whenever I'm having to wait. So I'm not good in crowds, I struggle in the crowd. If you uh, saw on the news last year, there was a huge concert somewhere I can't even remember where it was at, but there was a big concert somewhere, and during this concert, there was 50, 60, 70,000 people, I don't know how many thousands of people there, there was a lot of people there, there was a huge crowd, and in this concert, several people was hurt, several people lost their lives because of this huge crowd that was out of control. Basically, all of these people were kind of trampled to death in this crowd, so you can understand why. I don't like crowds and why some people do not like crowds and this stuff happens more than we think about i was watching a video the other day and there was an nfl quarterback and uh there was some people that went up to him well they was actually up in the stands and he was coming by going toward the locker room and they were in the stands and they all started pressing towards him trying to get his attention trying to get a picture trying to get an autograph or something and when they did that the whole thing fell over and every one of them fell on the ground onto the concrete right, because the crowd started pressing together, right. So when you see things like this, you can kind of understand why some people don't like crowds, right, why people don't like to be in crowds of people. There, There's a lot of people that will do everything they can to avoid a crowd. Some people will go to Walmart in the middle of the night to get groceries to avoid a crowd. Maybe they'll order food online or order groceries online to avoid being in a crowd, and it's really more and more common now because we live in the days of COVID right so we don't want to be in crowds of people right many people simply just don't like crowds and uh, uh even though I don't like crowds I do kind of enjoy people watching amen I am a, an avid people watcher and uh I hate to admit that but that's why I do that amen I sit around and I said if I'm in a mall or if I'm sitting down while one of my wife shops I'll people watch at times right and uh You ever see people and wonder what they do for a living or see people and you you make assumptions of them based on how they're acting or how they're uh, dressed or whatever it is and you make assumptions on them. You ever do that? Am I the only one that does that? Right. You ever leave here on a Sunday morning and if you go to Outback to eat or whatever and if you go to uh, after you leave church on a Sunday morning and if you go to Outback and you look around you can kind of make assumptions of people based on the way they're dressed whether or not they go to church. Right, and I know you're looking at me. So he's judging people, right? He's looking at people, and he's the way they're dressed, and uh, he knows if they're going to church. But listen seriously. If you go to Outback, if you leave church on a Sunday morning and you go to Outback at 12:30, and a man walks in with a suit and a woman walks in on a dress, you're going to think they've been to church. Amen. If you if it's 1:30 and you see them in there, you're going to think they have probably come to our church, right? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, y'all laughing. Our pastor walked in out back at 1.30 Sunday. I saw him. I saw him. (laughs) But that's, uh, (laughs) so I'm somewhat kidding, right? But the point I'm trying to make here is that you can look around a crowd of people and you can kind of make assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. Right? If you look around a crowd of people based on the way they're acting, the way they're dressed, the way they look, the way they're speaking, whatever, you can kind of make assumptions on people, right? And I'm getting to a point, I promise The last three and a half years of Jesus' life, we call that the ministry years of Jesus, right? Jesus was always surrounded by large crowds of people, amen? The last three and a half years of his life, he was surrounded by large crowds of people everywhere he went. My pastor says that Jesus was a rock star, and every time he says that, I cringe a little bit, right? But it's true, amen? He attracted large crowds of people everywhere he went. Jesus just attracted people to him, amen? What I wonder today is when Jesus looked around those crowds, did he notice the people? And what did he see? When he looked around those crowds and these thousands of people and these faces, I wonder, did he notice them? And I wonder, what did he think? What did he see? You see, Jesus, we all know, was a very focused person. He was a very busy person. He was a very intentional person. Amen. But I have to also believe that he noticed the people in the crowds. When he glanced around, I have a problem. Whenever I'm up here speaking, I promise you, I do not notice you. I'm sorry. I, I'm nervous up here, and when I do that, I have this defense mechanism where I'm kind of like looking over your heads, okay? That's just the way I do it, and that's the way I get by, okay? But when Jesus was around crowds of people, I have to think that he noticed people, amen? That he noticed people. And I have to think whenever he saw people, he, he began to see things in them, amen? You ever been to a concert, and when you're out there... I know my daughter has, right? But you're in that concert, and uh, the singer's up there, and you wonder, did they notice you, right? My daughter went and saw Justin Bieber, right, in One Direction, right? And she thought they noticed him, right? Right? She, uh, she thought they noticed her, right? But if you've ever been to a concert, and you think, and they're looking at you, you think, I wonder if they noticed me, right? I believe Jesus, no- Jesus noticed people in the crowds, amen? And I believe he looked at them, and he had thoughts towards them tonight, amen? And that's kind of where we're at tonight. What did Jesus see? When he looked into the crowds. Matthew 9, 5, 9, 35 and 38 says this And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Amen. He was moved with compassion because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest. Truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Amen. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that we will send forth laborers into the harvest. So the answer today to what did Jesus see when he looked into the crowds, I believe Jesus saw people in need. Amen. I believe he saw people that were in need. The Bible says when he looked on the multitudes, when he looked on the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Yeah. Amen. He was moved. With compassion, compassion means you are moved to do something. Amen. There is another saying, I felt sorry for them. Amen. You can feel sorry for someone and not do anything. But once you have compassion, you are moved to do something for those people. Jesus had compassion for them. Why did he have compassion? The Bible says because he could see that they were sheep and they had no shepherd. Amen. They were scattered abroad. They didn't have any real direction. They didn't have any real purpose. There were so many in that crowd, and they were hurt, they were helpless, and they were lost, and Jesus could see this. And they had no one to lead them, no one to lead them on the right path, no one to direct their path, no one to show them the way they, could, they should go. I think back about that large concert I was telling you about and those thousands and thousands of people that were crushing each other. And I'm not how many, I don't remember how many people died. It was like 11 people or something like that. And I can't help but think if somebody would have just took control, if somebody would have just led, if somebody would have just guided, if somebody would have just spoke up or somebody from that stage would have yelled out, then maybe that would not have happened. Maybe that would not have happened if they would have had the proper leading and the proper direction. If someone could have just looked out and said, there's people in need. There's people that's hopeless here. When Jesus looked out across that crowd, he saw people in need, people in distress. I have no doubt today that if Jesus was physically here on earth today, That if we took him to a large crowd, if we took him to the mall, a large city street or somewhere, he would see the same thing. He would see people in need, amen? And when I say people in need, I'm not talking about financial needs, amen? I mean people that are living their lives every day and they're lost. They have no direction, amen? They are living their lives day to day, living their life with no direction and no purpose. Simply existing, amen? and we see that every day amen if you ride through our little town you'll see people that are just living their lives and simply existing with no real purpose no real direction amen and it's not like they're bad people amen they might not even understand they don't have direction or purpose amen they may not even understand that something is missing in their lives if you're here today and you're saved you've all lived that life right I know 15 years ago, I was really lost, and I knew something was missing. I knew I was never truly fulfilled in life, right? But I thought I had direction and purpose. You understand? But the problem was I had physical direction and physical purpose, amen? But you see, I'm not a physical person. I am a spiritual person, amen? So unless we have spiritual purpose, unless we have spiritual direction, we will remain lost, and we will remain in need. See, you can be content in your physical lives if you have physical direction and physical purpose. But you will never be content in your soul. You will never be content in your spirit unless you have spiritual purpose and spiritual direction. That's why we need Jesus. Amen. Amen. See, there are a lot of people today, and you say, you know, when I was lost or whatever, you know, I didn't feel like I had this missing in my life because I had a job every day. I had a family, right? But you're still something missing and you can sense something's missing in your life because you're a spiritual person. And until you are filled with the Spirit, amen, you will always be lost and you will always be in need and you will always seek direction and seek purpose. Jesus understood that when he looked at the crowds. He understood that these people were lost and they had no shepherd. They needed a leader, amen. My question for us today is what do we see? Amen. When we look at the crowd of people, What do we see? We know what Jesus saw. It's recorded many times. This isn't the only time it was recorded that when Jesus was in large groups of people, he had compassion towards them. There's times where he fed them. There's times where he healed people. There's times where somebody reached out and touched him, and he healed them. There's times where he was walking through a crowd of people, and a person yelled out, and he noticed that person. So we know what Jesus saw. But today the question is, what do we see? Do we see people as Jesus saw them? People that are in need of a Savior, people that are lost, people that are hurting and in need, people that need a hero, people that need Jesus. Or are we so busy in our lives and our needs and our own agendas that at times that clouds our vision and we don't see people as they really are, people that are in need. You see, I have a confession today. There are times, and I am very guilty of this, when I don't see the need in people's lives. There are times when I look at people and I see their lives they are leading and it frustrates me. And I say, why don't they just make better decisions? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? But I simply forget that they just need Jesus. They're no different than I was 15 years ago. They just need Jesus. Amen. When Jesus looked at the crowd, the Bible says he was filled with compassion. When Jesus saw the crowd, he saw the needs and he was moved with compassion. The Bible says he was moved. He did something. Amen. And listen, there are times that we feel this too, right? There are times when someone's hurting, we feel compassion towards them. Maybe we give them a little bit of money and run home and post something on Facebook, right? But we need to understand today that this wasn't a one-time thing for Jesus. This wasn't for show, amen? Jesus wasn't having an overly emotional day. He wasn't in some kind of emotional state where all of a sudden he realized people are in need, people are empty. See, Jesus done this every day. Every time we see Jesus in a crowd of people, He done something to help those people. Amen. Amen. He saw people as they really are. Right. And he didn't do it to make people think better of him or he didn't do it to make people think he was all so spiritual. He did it because that's who he was. And that was his nature. See, having compassion on the people in need spiritually and physically was part of Jesus's routine life. It's just what he did. Amen. It's just who he was. Jesus continually felt compassion for the people around him no matter how his day was going. Right? That that really convicted me. No matter how his day was going, how my day going, how my day goes a lot of times affects how I see people. Right? Jesus wasn't like that. No matter how his day was going, he saw people as people that needed a Savior. No matter where he was, no matter what was going on in his life, no matter what people were doing to him, He saw people in need. I'm reminded of the shortest verse in the Bible. Do you know what that is? Jesus wept. That's right. John 11.35 says Jesus wept. Right? This wept that we're talking about here isn't some loud excessive cry, but it's kind of a calm shedding of tears. You see, Jesus was about to enter the city of Jerusalem, and He was overlooking that city. He was about to go down in there where He knew that He was about to be beat. He knew he was about to be mocked. He knew he was about to be spit on. He knew he was about to eventually be even murdered and crucified for these people that he was looking at. But you see, that's not why he was crying. He wasn't crying because all of this was going to happen to him. He was crying because he looked out around Jerusalem and he saw people that were hurting. He saw people that were lost. He saw people that were in need. These people... They had continually turned their lives away from Jesus. They had continually talked about Jesus, but Jesus looked on them and they had compassion towards them because that's just who he was. In Mark 6 and 34, there's another passage, kind of like the one we read earlier that says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Another, this is another scripture of Jesus in a large crowd that says when he looked on them, he had compassion. But what makes this scripture extraordinary is the situation that was around this passage. You see, this is a day where Jesus had spent the whole day helping people. He had spent the whole day helping people, healing people, teaching people. The crowd was very intense that day. The Bible says he hasn't even eaten anything. He's wore out. So Jesus says to his disciples, let's go on over to the other side, somewhere quiet, and get some rest. So they grabbed their boat, and they got in it, and they went to find a good place to rest and get something to eat. But when they were in their boat, the people ran to the other side and met him there, right? The people didn't let up on him. The people didn't let up on him, and Jesus was wore out. They knew where he were going. If you've ever been on the side of the Sea of Galilee... Where he was at in Genesaret, you could see the other side where he fed the 5,000, which is where this is leading, leading, and you could run around that side and get there before he would get there by feet. It's not a big area, right? It's not a real big area, and that's what they did. They ran around the other side, and they got there before he got there. And listen, if this was me, I would have said, Look, I've been helping you all all day. I'm wore out. Let me, take a, let me just take a little nap. Hey, Amen? If you all know me, I love a nap, right? I love a nap. Sunday afternoons are my favorite time in the world. I love a nap. And for some reason, our youth leader keeps wanting to schedule meetings on Sunday afternoon when I love a nap. But that's okay. I love her anyway. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Jesus was wore out. He was tired. He was hungry, right? And he just wanted to get some rest. But instead of telling these people that, the Bible says he looked on this large crowd and he had compassion on them. Jesus didn't let his own weariness stop him from seeing the need among the people. He didn't let his own weariness stop him from doing what he could do to meet those needs, right? But so many times, I let what's going on in my life blind me to the crowd around me. Every day, it seems like my struggles and my world and my problems I have blind me to the problems of the people around me. And I understand that we all have busy lives. We all have problems. But what we need to understand is a lot of times we become so absorbed in our own needs and struggles that we don't realize the needs and the struggles of the people around us. The message for me here today is for me more than anybody. You see, I have a, a very busy and chaotic job, especially right now, stressful job, and it takes a lot of time for me. It's my family, and i got a house with responsibilities, responsibility just like everybody else. And there's times where I just want to turn my phone off, right? There's times where I don't want to even see anybody. I just want to take a nap. Right, or just sit on my couch, right? but then I read this scripture right here of what Jesus does, and it convicts me greatly, right? because Jesus never let up. Right? He never let what was going on in his life affect the needs of the other people around him. See, there are times where I'm just plain selfish with my time. See, it's very easy when we're wore out of just daily life living that we have a tendency to turn our eyes inwards and we become aware of only our own needs and our own struggles that we forget about the ones around us. See, I believe today that God's wanting our church, amen? Mm -hmm. And when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church, amen, or the whole church. See, I believe that God's wanting the church, right, to be what He called it to be, right? I believe He's wanting the church to see the crowds around them, amen? I believe He's wanting the church not to see itself and their needs, amen, but the ones around them just as Jesus saw them, See, until we can feel the hurt, until we can see the lost and the pain in the crowds around us, until we can see through the eyes of Jesus, until we can see as Jesus saw people and not through our own eyes, the church, the people around us will remain hurting and they will remain lost. And I know this is tough here, but honestly, the reason that a lot of people don't want to come to church or have anything to do with God is a lot of time because of the people in the church. Right. Mm. That right. hurt, didn't it? Right. Mostly uh, because the a church doesn't act anything like the church sometimes. Amen. And the people in it doesn't act anything like Christ. Right. Jesus was able to minister to the prostitutes and the people on the streets because he was able to see them for who they were intended to be, not what they were right then. That's right. See, a lot of times we see people as they are. Right. Not as they are intended to be. Amen. Yeah. Well, a lot of times we see people as they have become, not as God intended them to be. Right, We don't see them for the soul that God gave them and the child that they are and His child. We see them for the situation they are in and the struggle that they are in and the, the mess they have gotten themselves in. And until we can look at people in the same way, we're going to have a hard time breaking through and making a difference. Amen. Until we can see people as Jesus saw them, we're going to have a hard time making a difference in the world. Amen. See, what Jesus saw in the world is people in need. But the question I have for us today is, what do we see? In verse 37 of Matthew 9, it says, The harvest is plentiful. Jesus, looking to the crowd that day around him, said, The harvest is plentiful. The answer to the question of what did Jesus see in the crowd, Jesus saw a harvest. Right? A harvest for the kingdom of God. I believe Jesus was trying to open the eyes of his disciples I believe he's trying to open our eyes to the fact here today is that within the crowds around us stand great opportunities to win people to, to Jesus. Amen. Every day there's a great opportunity for us to win people to Jesus. And this wasn't the only time we saw this with Jesus. If you remember in the book of John, there's another story. If you remember the Samaritan woman at the well, and she was a woman that most of us here would have given up on. She's a woman here that most of us here would have looked past. She's a woman here that honestly a lot of us might have made the topic of gossip, right? She'd been married five times. She was living with someone who she wasn't even married to. When the disciples came on the scene after the woman left, see, they offered Jesus food. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. My food is to do the will of of the one that sent me and to finish his work. Amen. He went on to say, do you say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I believe what Jesus was saying and where it shows terms today is stop your excuses. Amen. Amen. We need to stop the excuses. Jesus said that most would say that the harvest isn't ready yet. And I believe there's times I do that every day where I say they just aren't ready yet. Amen. They just aren't ready yet. They aren't ready to hear the good news of Jesus. I'm asking today, or who are we to decide if someone is ready to hear about Jesus? Amen. Who are we to decide if someone is ready to hear the gospel? Amen. See, I believe we need to quit making excuses and realize that every day there is a harvest among us. Every day there is people in need. Every day there is people that is ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. We as Christians are called to be Christ-like. Right? To be Christ-like means to be like who? Jesus. Amen. And Jesus was about the Father's business. So what are we to be like about the Father's business? Right? We will only do that, though, whenever we have the eyes of Jesus. See, my prayer here today is that God will give us all a burden for His children. Amen? That He will cause something in us to be stirred. Amen? That we can't even rest because we are so burdened with lost people. See, someone that He... uh, loves the bible says if we can't love our brother whom we have seen we can't love god whom we have not seen i messed that all up the bible says if we can't love our brother whom we have seen we can't love god whom we have not seen right. we're supposed to look through the eyes of jesus and see people as he sees them we need to get into our hearts that people need jesus amen A lot of us fuss about our government. We need to get into our heart that the government needs Jesus. Amen. Our leaders need Jesus. Amen. We need to get into our heart to quit complaining about them and pray for them. Amen. Right. We need to get into our hearts that people need Jesus. We talk about how bad crime is right now. We need to get into our heart that these people that are committing these crimes need Jesus. Amen. They need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus, amen. Even if they don't know they need Jesus, they need Jesus, amen. Even if they don't believe in Jesus, they still need Jesus, amen. They still need Jesus. I heard a story the other day of a 14-year-old boy that was on a mission trip in Singapore. They were walking around the city, and they came upon this Buddhist temple. He was shocked at the fact that there were so many normal-looking people inside this temple bowing to this statue. See, they were all bowing to this statue, an idol, if you will, and this young boy was so shocked. He said while he was watching these people bow down to this idol, another man came up and began to dust the statue. So while these people were bowing down to this statue, the statue was being dusted. And he was shocked to the fact that there is normal-looking people worshiping a statue that has to be dusted. Amen. He thought, how in the world could someone worship a God that has to be dusted? Right? But I want you to know today that this just isn't a Buddhist thing, right? This isn't just a Buddhist thing where people worship things that don't make sense. We see it every day, right? It may not be in the form of a statue, but we see people every day that worship the news. We see people every day that worship a government. We see people every day that worship the political party, this political party, that political party. We see people that worship social media, they worship idols, they worship alcohol, sex, drugs, whatever it is. Right, they devote their lives to worshiping something that will one day pass away. Amen. So one day this will pass away. It's not eternal. We need to quit spending so much time focusing on things that's going to pass away one day and start focusing on things that'll last through eternity. Amen. I once had a, a lady tell me, she used to tell me this all the time, said she would tell us that that people say that you can't take anything to heaven. People will look at you and say you can't take anything to heaven, and that's a lie, because you can take people to heaven. Amen. Every day you have an opportunity to take someone with you. Every, every day you have an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, and you can take them to heaven with you. This young boy had his spiritual eyes open that day to the fact that there are normal-looking people out there that need Jesus. Amen. It's easy to say that the murderer needs Jesus. It's easy to say that the thief needs Jesus. But we need to come to an understanding that anyone that is not saved needs Jesus. Amen. And that's the only qualification. If they don't know Him, they need to know Him. Amen. The crowd that Jesus was looking at that day probably looked just like everybody else. Yet He saw them as people that needed a shepherd. He saw them as people that needed Him. Amen. There are so many hurts and people that he come in contact with every day. People with scars. People with emotional damage, if you will. And they just need somebody to turn to. They're ready for the harvest. Amen. They're ready for Jesus. When Jesus looked on the crowds, he saw two things, Pastor. Two points, if you will, if you're keeping score today. Two points. We're going to keep it short today. Jesus saw two things when he looked at people. He saw the lost that were in need, but he saw one more thing. He saw a need for workers. He saw people that were in need, and he saw a need for workers. Jesus knew that the needs of the people were so great, but to bring the best harvest for God's kingdom, we need workers. Amen? While Jesus walked on this earth, he was bound to a very small area. See, if you look at it, Israel is only about 8,000 square meters. The U.S., if you look at it, uh, for example, is 4 million square miles. I'm sorry, not meters. There's uh, 4 million square miles. Israel is 8,000 8, square miles. It's real small, in other words, right? If, if you're not good with math, that means it's small, right, compared to the United States. Jesus spent most of his time in between Galilee and Jerusalem, which is only about 108 miles. This is a two-hour drive, a little longer on a donkey, I'm sure. Right? But he was between 108 miles, between Jerusalem and between Galilee, about two hours, 108 miles. Right? In other words, his voice could only reach so many people. Right? Jesus was bound by physical limitations when he was on this earth. He could only reach so many people, amen? But there was an entire world that needed to hear from him. So what did he do? He needed workers, amen? He needed workers, right? And the truth is today that there are even more people that need him. I don't know how many people lived during that time, but I know there's more people that live now. Jesus needs workers, amen? And if you've given your life to Jesus, then you're a call to tell others about him. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I pray for those that tell people about him. I'm here to tell you that's awesome. Pray, but you're also called to work. Amen. Amen. The Bible says we are to go into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come to Jesus. There's a story about, I use this guy all the time, but there's a story about uh, Martin Luther, not King Jr., but the other guy, right? The famous uh, 15th century reformist, right? The guy that was in the Catholic church and kind of broke that whole thing down. The story goes that Martin Luther and a friend of his, a monk that was in this monastery, they came to an agreement. The agreement was that Martin Luther would go out and he would take charge in bringing about this great reformation with all the people and the other guy would stay back and pray for him. That was the agreement. You go out and you do the work and I'll stay back and I'll pray for you. One day this other monk had this dream. In his dream there was this great big field and this great big field of corn. And in the middle of this field of corn there was this one man out there reaping. He had this whatever reaper you call it. I don't know what those things are called, but it's a reaper. He had that thing, and he was reaping, and he was cutting down corn, and he was doing all the work. But it, when you looked at this man inside this great big field, as far as you could see, it was an impossible task. He was never going to be able to get all of this corn reaped, right, harvested, or whatever you want to say. I'm not a farmer. right? I've never, even, I've never grown anything right but if he was out there in the middle of this cornfield and he was trying to reap this cornfield and it looked like an impossible task then in this man he saw that this man saw in this dream that this man in this field was his friend martin luther and in that moment he realized he needed to put his prayers to action he needed to get out and get to work amen there are a lot of capable workers that are leaving the work to others you've heard of the rule the 80 20 rule amen there are a lot of people that are leaving the work to others, amen. Some may pray for the work, some may give money for the work, and all of those are needed, amen. But the Bible says we need laborers. We need people to get out and do the work. You see, the problem with having a great harvest and not enough workers, if you don't be careful, if you don't get out there and bring the crops in, they'll go bad before you have a time to harvest them. And, if, and a few that are out there doing the work, they're going to get wore out, Right? And before long, they can't do anymore because they're so wore out. A few workers cannot reap a great harvest. Amen. And the harvest will go bad. We must pick the crop when it's ready. If you don't, you lose the crop. When I look around the world, I see a crop that's ready to be harvested. When I look around the world today, I see a crop that's ready to be reaped. See, there is a world today that's looking for an answer. If you look, if you turn on the news when you go home, I don't recommend that, but if you do. If you go home and you turn on the news, you're going to see a world that's looking for an answer, amen? They're looking for hope in everywhere they can look for it, amen? Hope in a vaccine, hope in a mask, hope in a a, uh, government, hope in a political party, amen? Hope in the news, hope in whatever. They're looking for hope everywhere they can, amen? But the problem, see, they, they don't trust their government, amen? And they don't trust their news, amen? They don't trust their neighbors. I hate to say it, but there are people out there that don't even trust the church, amen? The reason for that is the church is guilty of not being the church at times. They're guilty of being more concerned with church business than reaching lost souls. But I'm here to tell you that there is a great spiritual harvest today. There are people that are more ready than ever to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I believe that God's spirit is moving. The Bible says in the latter days he'll pour out his spirit. Amen. So God is pouring out his spirit. Amen. Hearts are being softened, but the world needs laborers. The world needs workers, amen. The world needs the church to be the church, amen. The world needs Christians to be Christ-like, amen, amen. But if we don't start seeing people as Jesus sees them and sharing love to them, there's a danger that the crop will go bad and the harvest will be lost. I've used this many, many times, but I heard one time a person say that they would go to church and they would give their lives to Jesus and they would become a Christian if it wasn't for all those people in the church. I actually heard a person say that, and I think that's true. People are turned away because a lot of times there's people inside the church that are guilty of looking anything but anything like Jesus. See, we can't hide this great treasure we have. If you're here today and you're saved, you have a great treasure. You can't sit on that treasure, amen? You have to share it. I was reading a story the other day, and I was really, I know I've probably read this, but it kind of got me because I couldn't remember it. But it was in 2 Kings chapter 7. It's the story of four lepers. And these four lepers, they were outside the city gates in Samaria. Samaria was under siege from an enemy. And it was causing a great famine in the land. These people were inside the city starving to death. This army out here had their camp surrounding the place. And they wouldn't let any food get in. And these people were in there starving to death. Of course, during this time, lepers weren't allowed inside the cities, right? So these lepers were outside the city walls, starving to death along with everybody else, right? So they got to thinking to themselves, you know, if we set out here, we're going to die. We are going to starve to death and we're going to die. If we're going to the city, there's a great famine. It doesn't matter. We're going to die in there also. So they come to their mind. They come to their senses a little bit. They said, why don't we go over to the enemy camp, right? The enemy camp is over here. We'll go over there and we'll surrender. Right, If they spare us, we'll live, and we'll be able to eat, and we'll be able to live. But if they don't, we'll die. So if we sit here and we do nothing, there's a 100% chance we're going to die. But if we go over to this enemy camp, there's a 50% chance we're going to live. Right, Much better odds. Right. So they went to the enemy camp, and the Bible says, The Lord, before they ever got there, the Lord caused the enemy to hear great sounds of chariots and horses, and they all fled. They all ran in fear. So when these lepers walked into this camp, they see all this stuff that was abandoned, food, riches, r- treasure, all this stuff that was there and it had been left behind. And they went in and they ate and then they carried some of the treasure off. And they went back and they'd done more. But then all of a sudden they began to think all of these people back in this city, their, their country folk were over here dying. And they got to thinking, we're over here doing eating and we're over here taking all of this treasure and all this and all those people are over there dying so they went and they did the right thing they went and they told the people right we've all been giving our lives to jesus we all have this great treasure but there are many out there that are suffering a great famine Just like those people inside those city and these four lepers inside this camp that were in there with this treasure and this food. They're in there enjoying life. And these people over here, they have this great famine. There's a great famine in people's lives today. If you're saved, things may not be perfect, but you have peace and strength from Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. But there are those that are lost and they are starved for truth. They are starved for true meaning and a purpose in their lives. They are starved for happiness, true fulfillment. But you have that in Jesus. You have an obligation to share it. Amen. You have an obligation today to do the right thing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out here. And as we begin to close, as we close, we always open up our altars tonight. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something today. I want you to pray that we never look at the crowd the same again. Whenever we leave here today, I ask you to pray that whenever we see a crowd of people, that we see them as Jesus saw them. See, Jesus saw the needs. He saw the hurt. He saw the pain. He didn't see the situations they were in. He didn't see the sins they had committed. He didn't see the pain they had caused, the choices they had made, the mistakes that led them to where they were today. No, He saw them as who they were. His creation. His children. And He saw them as an opportunity for them to be restored to Him. Today as we close, I just ask that we all just close our eyes just for a minute. Whenever we close, I just ask that we can begin to pray that God will give us a great burden for His children. Amen. That He will give us a heart for the loss, Amen. That He will give us a restlessness for His work. That we won't be able to rest because we begin to think about all the people that need Jesus. Amen. That He would give us just a great burden to tell people about Him. That whenever we go to work tomorrow and we see people and we begin to get frustrated with them, we'll begin to see them as Jesus sees them. His child, His soul. And we'll begin to see that they need Him. Amen. They may have these things in their life, but they need Him. I, I wonder today, if we all prayed, today in this place, if we all prayed, that God would open our eyes and see the people as He saw them as the people as He sees them. I wonder how many people would be in this church Sunday. Think about that. Right? And it's not about getting people in church. It is, but it's not about that. But what it is about is getting people saved. Amen? So I wonder today if we all ask God to open up our eyes and see people's hurt if we ask God to open up our eyes and become burdened for people that are lost, I wonder how many people would be in this church Sunday and give their lives to Jesus Christ. I wonder today. See, I don't believe if we would leave here today and we would become burdened for people and then we would become obedient, right? See, there's a difference between being burdened for people and being obedient, right? If we be burdened for people and we do nothing about it, we've done nothing, right? But if we get out of here and we become burdened for people and then we become obedient to the perfect will of God, something great's going to happen, amen? Something great's going to happen, harvest is going to be reaped, amen? If we get out of here and we become a burden for people and then we begin to become obedient to God and we begin to talk to people and we begin to love people and we begin to share the good news and we begin to hug people and begin to tell people that Jesus loves them, that we love them, then see, a great harvest is going to be reaped, amen? So tonight I ask that we'll just pray for this harvest, amen? And not only for the harvest, that we'll pray for workers, And we'll pray that we have the obedience and that we have the courage to stand up and say, Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me today. You see, these workers that Jesus is talking about, where He said He looks out and He sees the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. These workers that He's praying for, that's us. That's who he's talking about. If you're here today and you've gave your life to Jesus Christ, there's something in the Bible called the Great Commission. In the Great Commission, it says that we are to go out and we are to preach the gospel. We are to teach people the gospel and we are to lead people to Jesus Christ. That's our calling. We are all called to do that today. So if you're here today and you gave your life to Jesus, you are called to get out and go to work. Amen. You are called to get out and do what you can do. You may say, Keith, I'm older. Keith, I'm young. Keith, I don't have this. Keith, I don't have that. But I'm here to tell you, God will give you what you need. If you'll just ask for God to give you a burden for people, He'll give you what you need to accomplish the task. God will never lead you somewhere and not give you what you need to do the work. But you got to get obedient to him and pray that he'll lead you and he'll put you somebody in your path. And that's what I ask for us all to pray today. That we'll just pray that God will just lead somebody to us and he'll put somebody in our path this week so that we could talk to them about him and we can help lead them to Jesus. However that goes, however that is, let's pray that God will put burden, will burden us for people, will burden us for people.